Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 23, New Living Translation. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, are y'all reading your Bible to your kids? Amen. Amen. Y'all weren't waiting for tomorrow, were you? Because people are like, I'm going to do a diet New Year starting Monday. Monday, that ain't the first, bro. <laughs> Monday is what, the fourth? Is it the fourth? Is tomorrow the fourth? Yeah, so don't miss days. Um, and so I'm glad you're reading your Bible. Um, so I think everybody in our house is reading the Bible. So I'm reading to Ian, uh, which is my eight-year-old, and I go and say goodnight to my 15-year-old. He has, he has procured, I won't say stolen, he has commandeered my New Living Translation, and he's on his bed reading. So it's awesome when you're saying goodnight to the fam and everybody's got a Bible in their hand. Um, so if you haven't started reading, and if, if you know, the King James is too much for you, New King James, um, uh, whatever, NIV, just find something you read to your kids. I'm reading the message to the eight-year-old. New Living Translation is what my 15-year-old is going for. My wife is reading in Spanish. I don't know what Graham's is doing, but everybody's reading something. You know that if you do three chapters a day, you can read the entire Bible, all 1,189, 87 chapters in a year, three chapters a day. Or you could do like my wife does when the beginning of the year, she reads 15 chapters a day. Because you read 13.3, so call it 15 chapters a day, you can read the Bible 90 days. So Nora's reading 90 days. Y'all want to take the 90-day challenge, 15 chapters a day. I'm just putting it out there. I just want to. I'm looking at all the guys. I'm just pulling your man card. 15 chapters, bro. What's up? <laughs> um, so reading, I just said that because New Living Translation just sparked it. So um, whatever you want to read uh, to your children, but please read. Um, and let them participate. Let them participate. Let them read the words all crazy. Let's see if you can get all the words right. Because you can get all the words right too. Oh, Lord bless you. You need to be preaching. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, 23, New Living Translation. The Bible says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a good tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their words. Mm. I'm, I'm glad to amen, but it says actions, which is rough. You can identify people by their actions. We do it by words. And Sean, I wasn't setting you up, sis. Amen to that. But we believe it's actually words. Jesus says you can identify people by their actions. Basically, Jesus is saying talk is cheap. So if you want to know the type of fruit, the type of person, you can identify people by their actions. Why? Because Jesus automatically goes into words. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because that's words. That's not action. Only those who actually do action, do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many, many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. So we're going to talk a little bit today of our first sermon in our sermon series, Becoming. We're going to be moving from believing to belonging. What do you say we pray? we got lots of stuff to cover in a little bit of time. Can we pray? Could you ask God that you start this 2021 
different than last year. Let's not have a repeat. I'm not talking about the pandemic, but I'm talking about let's not have a repeat of doing the same thing over and over. God, we want a change. We want to be molded and shaped. We want to be different. God, speak to us today. God, as we start off 2021, would you please help us? Help us more than ever, God, to get your word in our heart. God, let us be guided by your word and by your spirit. Jesus, talk to us today. Let me say something that'll have eternal value. God, I hide behind your cross, wanting no one and nothing to be seen but you. We pray all this in expectation in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Being a follower of Jesus is a lifelong journey of faith. What we believe and how we live it out changes as we grow and mature. For example, when our childhood faith no longer fits, we question and study and seek a new understanding of faith that works for us as adults. On this spiritual journey, we never actually arrive at a destination, or at least not this side of the grave. Instead, we're continually moving, evolving, and becoming. If we are being true to this faith journey, then we're always on the move from who we were to who God is calling us to be. In this sermon series, we'll be looking at some of the ways we're called to grow in understanding and our practice of the faith. The beginning of a new year is a great time to take stock of where you are in life and make some resolutions about where you hope to go in the next 365 days. We do that with our health. We do it with our finances. We do it on our jobs. But the question is, do you do it with your faith? See, for years now, I have taken stock. Every New Year's, I make people nervous because I run a laundry list of everything that I think I believe and I preach to make sure that personal preferences hasn't jumped in. That stuff that someone told me a long time ago that sounded good but really has no biblical evidence doesn't stick in there because if I add anything to the Bible, it's just like taking it away. If you read the last pages of the Bible, there's a danger in me as pastor putting something on you that is my personal preference and not scripture. So I go through and I, I, I examine my faith. I want to make sure that, that I'm not taking any shortcuts because maybe there's something in there that I'm not doing because I just don't want to. Uh, see, faith is not a stagnant thing. It's not a possession. You can't just say, I got some faith. Look at my faith. Here it is. It's, it, it's not something you either have or don't have. Instead, faith is a dyna- it's dynamic. It's evolving. It's a living part of us. We understand our faith as a work in progress, but that statement assumes progress is actually being made. For this sermon series, we'll be talking about the ways we're growing and evolving in our faith. This title, this series in becoming implies that we're on our way towards something, even though we probably won't ever get there. That's the most frustrating thing is that we all want to base stuff on destinations. When you put in the GPS, where are you going? I want to know the route. I want to know what time I'll arrive. I want to know ways. Talk to me. Are there cops out there? Is, is there animals on the road? We got all this stuff because we want to know where we're going, our destination. But can I tell you, this faith journey is a constant progressing, moving towards something that we'll never achieve on this side of heaven. But it has to be growing because what's, what's scary is that people will come to church and they will never change change. They'll be the same for decades. I want my faith to be ever increasing. I want my understanding who God is to be increasing. I doubt that any of us will get to the point where we feel like we have this faith thing figured out. Like, you know what? I've arrived. I got God figured out, faith figured out. I got this whole thing down pat. What's next? Jesus. No. Uh, for, For these sermons, we're going to be looking at the different ways our collective faith has changed over time. 
and how we as individuals and as a community can continue to change and grow as people of faith. The journey for today's conversation is one from believing to belonging. So if I make you nervous on this journey, good. If I make you a little bit uncomfortable, I have reached my destination, my goal for this sermon. So let me say it right at the start. This doesn't mean that we should no longer believe. I get, you you got to always put a disclaimer for church folks because you'll stop listening. This doesn't mean we should no longer believe and that beliefs are not important. As we talk about their, you know, and we'll talk about eventually here today, are, they're essential to our definition as followers. It's less than an either or, and it's more of a shift in priority. See, the church is in the midst of a major paradigm shift, moving away from the emphasis on believing the right things and becoming And that's what we're going to talk about. See, having the right beliefs, also called orthodoxy, wasn't always the focus of the church. It wasn't. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't say, this is my command, that you believe the right doctrines. The angels didn't say to the shepherds, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of a great systematic theology. And when speaking to his potential disciples, Jesus didn't say, learn about me or figure me out. He said, follow me. Why are you all in this, Pastor? Because believe. Everybody said, I believe, I believe, I believe I can fly. All right, R. Kelly, that's that's great. People believe anything. See, you know, believing is not enough. And I really think God doesn't care if you believe in him. Ooh. Why? 7% of Americans believe that the moon landing never happened, which is the exact same percentage of Americans who believe Elvis is still alive. 33% of the North Americans believe in Bigfoot, and 25% of Americans thought Barack Obama was the Antichrist. People believe all kind of stuff. I don't think God cares whether we believe in him or not. What I do think matters is whether or not we belong to him. You know, because you can always talk, I know as soon as, if you've been in church a while, you talk about James 2, 19, you say you have faith and you believe that there's one God, Uh, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Believing is not enough. I believe, I believe. I don't care what you believe. I want to know, do you belong? See, by belonging to God, I mean that investing ourselves to the things of God and the things that God's interested in and committing ourselves to the very things that God is committed to, believing isn't enough. We need to be moving from believing to belonging. So now that I said that, you guys don't think I lost my mind. I had to get that in there. Mason, Mason's laughing because you don't do it. People, you know what he said? Listen to what I'm saying. See, Somewhere along the line, following Jesus became defined as believing the correct things about him. In the second, third centuries, councils of religious leaders argued or gathered to argue whether Jesus was fully human or fully divine, whether Mary was really a virgin, what relationship Jesus or what uh, Jesus' relationship was to God, and the councils produced creeds which gave people, us, the community, the right answers to these questions so that we would know definitely who had real faith and who didn't. If you assume the right beliefs, hey, congratulations, you were in. If you didn't, you were burned at the stake. As you can imagine, there was a lot of converts in those days, I promise you. It's like, believe these things are burned at the stake? Yeah, I'm with you. See, the importance of correct beliefs was heightened in the the Protestant Revolution and the invention of the printing press. And suddenly, not only did a person have to do what the Catholic Church told them to do, now they had to read the Bible, or they could read the Bible for themselves. So throw in a period called the Enlightenment, which empowered people to use their brains to their fullest potential, and you have a real religious mess. You could put three people in a room with the Bible and come out with four different translations, five different interpretations and translations, and six church splits. And everyone is convinced that their way of believing is the right way. 
No one ever said, you know what? I might be wrong about this, but I'm going to go ahead and start a church anyway. So for centuries, faith was defined as having the right beliefs, which of course meant having the same beliefs as the people in power. And for the most part, that worked because no one wanted to challenge the authority of the church or risk sharing that they had serious doubts about their faith, but they did. And when they started to articulate them, the church didn't have a good answer. Someone would ask, why is my wife dying of cancer? And the church would say, well, it must be God's will. That's a horrible answer to that question. And Jesus said in our passage, just because a person says, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean they're a follower of Christ. When people started perceiving Christianity, listen to me, as a religion of rules and regulations without any substantial response to the challenges of life, they began to drift away and they're still drifting away. When you boil down the church into rules and regulations, you have no substantial response to what they're going through in life. They're going to drift away and they'll keep drifting away. Just having the right beliefs isn't good enough anymore. The before picture of organized religion for so long was that a person believed the right things, they behaved the right way, and then they couldn't belong. Behaving and believing were prerequisites to belonging to the church. But at some point, many churches, but not all of them, reversed that pattern. Now those churches making a shift, the emphasis is put in a different place. A person belongs, they behave, and then they become to belief. Christianity is moving from a, being a religion about God to an experience of God. See, I think we did a, a poor job, and I say we, we said the church, a poor job of articulating things. If I were to ask people in this church to explain baptism to me, you could tell me. If I ask people in this church to explain, explain God, what is this? Is, is the God manifest in the flesh? What is all this, the oneness of God? Explain to me what sin is and what repentance is. But I noticed on Wednesday when I said, what is peace? And there was nothing. You did a terrible job. How can I have the peace of God? It's like, well, I have this, I have that, I have this, which are all good answers, but they were all equally wrong, biblically based. Because peace is like, well, if, I have, if, if my spouse loves me and I love my spouse and, and we have some money in the bank and our kids are healthy, that, that's, that's great, but, but Jesus didn't say that was peace. What if your spouse leaves you? What if your kids get sick? What if you lose your job? What if, what, what if you go bankrupt? Do you have no peace then? We can't define peace of God by possessions. So I think we do a terrible job when I say we, I just throw myself in there as pastors of explaining things very well. And when you can't articulate something to the community, the body of believers, they will leave because all they feel is you are a bunch of rules and regulations with no substance. You can't do anything for me. All you can tell me is what not to do or what to do, but you can't get a hold of God for me. So believing isn't enough. It's the belonging. See, if that doesn't make sense, think about it this way. Have you ever played the card game Uno? Do you remember how someone taught you? Do you remember how you learned? What did you do? Maybe you tried reading the instructions. You know, the instructions that fold out and fold out. It looks like one of them old school maps. I'm, I'm trying to play a card game. I don't want to go to Turkey. You know, it was a lot of rules and do's and don'ts, and, and, and you didn't really quite follow that. Maybe next someone tried to explain the rules to you. You know, hey, sit down real quick. They try to explain the rules, the intricate workings of Uno in about four seconds. And, and, and so you still weren't getting it. You're like, wait, what happens if I play reverse and then someone skips back to me and there's a draw two, but what if I do a draw four and I get a draw? <sighs> Probably the person at the end says, you know what, just, just pull up a chair and get into the game and you can learn as you go. And you did. If we're honest, that's what faith is like or is it supposed to be. We can't try to learn all the rules, the right doctrines and the correct beliefs. 
Pastor, nobody lives like that. Yes, they do, because they say they got to get their life right before they come to church. I would come to church, but I could quit this and quit that and quit this. Why? Because they think church is a bunch of rules and regulations, and it's not a relationship with God. I tried to explain it to mom last week, is that, is that religion is what happens when man gets a hold of something and tries to get you in connection with God. God is always about relationship. But here's the thing is that, is that we were talking about peace, and, I was just, and, and, and mom was giving kisses to, to the boys and hugs, and she was going down the stairs, and I was leaning over the banister, and I was like, it's just a relation, like a relation with your spouse. When's the last time that you, you really had a relationship with God and you didn't think it was, I got to do all the right stuff, say all the right things, hope he's not disappointed in me? When's the last time you couldn't wait to talk to Jesus? It's because we turn this thing to church and a bunch of rules and how to say it right. And hey, you got a sweet hour of prayer. Read five Psalms, one proverb. We get through it in a month. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do this, do that. Cross your heart and circle, circle, dot, dot, cootie shot and all that stuff. That is not church. That is man stuff. Do this, don't do that. You know what? If you get a relationship with God and you stop, you move from believing to belonging, there's going to be a lot of change in your life and nobody has to tell you. There'll be a lot of things you start doing right. There's a lot of things you're going to stop doing. Not because I tell you, it's because the one that you love and loves you, you know, I don't want to do anything that would make him sad. I don't want to do anything that would hurt him. But we don't have relationship. What we do now is we fall in love with church. Look at all the amenities and they got stuff for the kids and the song is great and Todd sings it. We got, we got treasure chests. I love all of that. But what happens to the relationship? Do you remember when y'all were dating? Don't, 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 look, don't look left or right. Just keep looking forward. Remember when y'all were dating in time like didn't exist? Y'all would just sit and talk, talk, talk for hours. Now y'all ain't even sitting next to each other on the couch. Mm, who said, mm, that was, it was true. What happened? Somewhere along the way, we let relationship get stale. I, it drives me nuts when people go into a house. You, you, if, if, if COVID was go, gone right now and we all showed up at the Burgess, you know what happened? All the women over here, all the men over there. If you're a social person, do it all the time. I don't want to spend my life watching my wife over there. I married her because I want to be with her. And so you're dating. You, gotta, you, you can't be separated. And as soon as you're married, you can't wait to be. You go someplace and talk to all the boys and all the, no, I, hey, I can talk to you, but I want my wife with me because why? Because I love her so much. I in a relationship. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. I don't want to do life apart while we live under the same roof. That's what happens if you take relationship out of the church. You come under one roof, the church on Sunday, talk to Jesus and do life without him for the other six days. That is, that is believing that is not belonging. Are y'all tracking? Am I clicking? Am I clicking? Okay. Do you hear it? It's just me. See, we could try to learn all the rules and the right doctrines and the correct belief. We could intellectually assent to what we think is correct. We can have someone tell us what we should believe, but the only way we can really learn what we, we believe is by getting involved and playing the game. It's like Uno, but now we're actually doing church. See, we belong. It's like, okay, I'll... I'll I'll start going to church and we behave. Sure, I'll go to Sunday, you know, and, and I'll do it on Wednesday connect group and we do outreach projects and, and then we believe and hey, I, I'm starting to see how this faith thing works. 
We have it backwards. We want someone to come in and tell us everything they believe. And once you get it right, then you can start experiencing God. How about you start experiencing God? And, and as soon as you enter that relationship with them, uh, you start to actually believe some things. See, it's, it's not just enough to believe. Let's be honest. If having the right beliefs is a prerequisite to belonging, should any of us be here? Like I said at the beginning, this doesn't mean that our beliefs are not important. They are. But as... Okay, I believe that, that the new birth is repentance, baptism in water in the name of Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and I'll argue with you as much as you want. But there's churches that all they do is talk about that. And so my question, too, is, so what? Oh, you come repented. Congratulations. Oh, you're baptized in Jesus' name. Praise God. Oh, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's awesome. Now what? Oh, we'll just keep talking about that. Is there no life after that, and I just sit around and wait till I die? That's, that's belief, 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 and no belonging. Now I'm part of the family of God. Now I'm a child of God. Now what, preacher? Now talk to me. How do I get my life right, my finances, my family? How do I get my mouth right and my mind right? How do I get all those things? Oh, we're just talking about Acts 2.38. You can talk about Acts 2.38 all you want to, but that's not going to develop. All you're going to have is a bunch of people to believe and nobody who belongs. And when you get a church like that, the only thing they can talk about is, do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you believe this? Look how wrong you are. Instead of saying, you know what? Come on in here. Get into the worship. Run with the kids. Raise your hands. You can start feeling God. And you know what? Then I, you're going to come to me and say, Pastor, I think I need to be baptized. Why? Because you're actually experiencing God instead of just hearing about him. Are y'all getting y'all looking at me like half? Okay, I'm going to make sure. See, beliefs are important. Incredibly so. Part of what defines us as a Christian is the way we believe. As a church, it's the peculiar, uh, it's the actually things that actually we believe, specifically that God loved us so much that he came and manifested himself as a man. He came to earth to make his kingdom real to us. There are some, some of us who are certain, or certain as the reality of God as we are our own existence. And there's others of us who have serious doubts about whether this is true or not. And there are some of us who have our good days and who have our bad days. The historical church's problem isn't that we've, been, we've had the wrong beliefs, it's that we taught having the right beliefs is what mattered most. I, I won't say it this way, but I've been in a lot of churches that the belief part was more important than the living part. And as long as they had all the rules checked off, and as long as, Todd Shaken said, as long as you had all the boxes checked off, you were great. And, and, and you, could, you could be a gossip, a liar, a cheat, you could, and all those things you can hide from us. I could be a gossip, a liar, a cheat, a fornicator. I can lie. I can do all that. If I hide it from you, you think I'm great. Why? Because it's all beliefs. But if I actually belong, I won't, you won't have to worry about any of that because I'm different. It's not just checking off the boxes. There are certain things. God has always made a way out for every dispensation. We talk about this around the kitchen table. That dispensation is a time period in which God deals with a, uh, a generation a certain way. Noah was the ark. And then, and then you got, and you had the, there's a circumcision. Then you have the Ten Commandments. And then now we have what is, what is a new birth experience. Repentance, baptism in water in Jesus' name, and filling the Holy Spirit. That's important. But so What? What comes after it? That's the belonging part. See, we already know the importance of belonging in other parts of our life. You go to Sam's Club, I'm a valued customer. <laughs> Gyms, it's, oh, I got this membership. Sports teams, you got people like, hey, 
Go Raiders! You have somebody's logo in there, and you like automatically you connect. We're, we're, we're a part. You don't know that person from Adam, but if they have the same sports team logo on as you do, hey, what's up, bro? We we know this. As a church, what bonds us together is our belief in Jesus Christ. But the question is, is that enough? I would say it's not because we can all say some really nice things about Jesus and go into the world and make a real mess of things. I would say that what makes a church community unique is how we live out our belonging, how we contribute to the well-being of this community, which is a church and, and, and which we're a part of, and how we help this community contribute to the well-being of the world. It's not just enough to believe the right things. We have to actually move past that into belonging. I know plenty of people who join a church, attend for a few months, and never darken the door again. Do they truly belong? Belonging doesn't happen to you. Belonging is something you do. How, pastor? By the way you contribute to the sense and purpose of community. It is easy to believe it is challenging to belong. Because I can believe all by myself. I can believe and dip on you. I can believe and not participate. But I can't belong in isolation. Too many people say, I believe that. Or you ever, you ever had someone tell you something like, I don't believe that. Well, you're not doing anything one way or the other, but I don't believe it. All right. So they just don't believe stuff. They all may shut down. See, you don't have to believe before you can belong because you may never fully believe. You know, there are some people that want to know the Hebrew and the Greek about baptism. They want to know 17 Bible studies about baptism. There's other people to say, you know what, if I have to do it, I, I, I'm ready right now. Can you explain it? No. Like, yeah, some people say, I can't explain it, but I believe it, and I don't want to argue with it. Which is fine, but also dangerous. But see, I don't need you to explain the entire Bible. God never asked. You'll, they'll know you're my disciples because you can quote every scripture that's important to you. He said, You'll know, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. It never said how much, I think scripture quoting is great. I think all this is great, but we put it above belonging. It shouldn't be. See, here's the, let me give you an illustration. There was a story of a seminary student struggling to figure out what he believed. So he could lead others, obviously. He, he made a hospital visit and, to an elderly lady dying of cancer. He was nervous about going in the room because he had never been in that situation before, and he was afraid she would ask him some theological question he couldn't answer. They made small talk for a few minutes, and then she said, son, can I ask you something? He thought, oh, no, here it comes. I know she's going to ask, why am I dying? What's heaven like, and does God still love me? Instead, she asked, could you feed me my tapioca pudding? So he grabbed the, tap he grabbed the napkin and a spoon and fed the tapioca pudding to her, and he realized at that moment that faith wasn't about having the right answers. It was about belonging to each other and to God. I'm thankful to belong to a church that doesn't kick people out just because they don't always get this faith thing right. You're, you're, Kendall said it well. You're not here just because you can quote everything. You do everything right. No, you're here because you realize even if you tried, you couldn't. And, but God loves you anyway. 
You're here because you believe that what God has for you is a lot better than what, what, what the world has for you. You're here because you found belonging and acceptance, and maybe the world didn't accept you. This is what it's supposed to be like. It's not supposed to be a body of, of just believers believing the same thing. It's supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be fitly joined together, which means that, that if you look at my body, don't look at it too close. I've been eating well. But if you look at my body, you can't separate stuff. It's all one. They should be able to look at C3, and whether we're tall, it's short, we're thin or not so thin, whatever our skin complexion is, they should still see one. Why? Because we belong to the body of Christ. It isn't a body of people who believe the right stuff. It's a body of people that can quote everything they believe. See, I want you to know that maybe if you get this faith stuff right or not, whether you have all your belief down. Now, some, now some of us believe some erroneous things, and wrong is wrong but I still want you to know you belong. You don't have to swipe a card or pass a test. If you belong to God, then you belong with us, and you're welcome at this table. But please hear me. Don't stop there. Having the right beliefs isn't enough. Neither is just attending. See, belonging means being a part of each other's lives in ways that reflect, that, that reflect no matter how dimly the light of Christ is in, in each of us. Belonging means communicating and, and continue to ask questions and voice concern and articulate doubts until maybe when you least expect it, maybe somebody, um, maybe even over a dish of tapioca pudding and God pulls back the, the curtain just a bit and your faith is affirmed and maybe even strengthened. That's what belonging is. So you'll never experience the presence of God if we wait in our mind to understand it. See, I love the fact that I think Leslie, I think Leslie, Texted me and said that my mom was the ringleader of the adult worship. GZB will pull you out of your chair. But what's awesome is that most of us started that way anyway. It's like, hey, you want to go worship? <laughs> way up there, there, there. Someone pulls you, come on, and yank you. By the, but before you know it, you're in the sea of children, and they got you running around the church. You don't got to be yanked out anymore. That's community. Community is helping people get in a deeper walk with God. And a lot of times we don't do it because we don't know. And that's, that's the awesome thing about it is that you don't have to wait to understand it. It's like, I'll wait when I'm moved of God. Well, how about we just get GZB to move you? And then there you go. And, and now you can be moved to God while you're up here. We got people running and jumping and dancing that would never have done it anywhere else. And they do it every single week without being coerced. Todd doesn't say, now, come on, come on, come on, come on. Everybody up to the front. Why? It's because you know what? Somebody helped you get a little bit deeper. And you're like, you know what? It's not just not to believe. I actually want to belong. And once you experience God, nobody has to convince you again. That's what we should be doing is helping people experience God. When they experience God, it's easy to talk to them about their beliefs. But what we want to do is tell them all about the beliefs in the foyer. Before you come in here now, now do you believe this, do you believe this, do you believe that? And you're like, I don't know if I ever want to come back again. Instead of saying, you know what? When you walk through those doors, the presence of God is going to be so thick, I'm not responsible for what happens to your life because it's going to change for the better. I'm just warning you right now, when you get in there to worship, the power of God is going to hit you and your life is going to be different for the better. So I'm just telling you, it comes with this disclaimer, caution, it's getting better from here. I think that's awesome. And then when somebody says, man, I can't believe what's going on here. My life has changed. Wow, you're actually experiencing God. You're belonging to something. And now we can work on the belief. Amen? See, our faith is not a system of beliefs. Jesus didn't say, this is my command that you believe the right doctrines. Do you know what he said? This is my command that you love one another. 
If you're not sure what, what you believe, you just pull up a chair and start with that. Would you stand with me, please? Pastor, I don't understand everything. Well, what if that was your excuse to start anything? I can't tie my shoes. Can you be 40 years old with Velcro? Nothing wrong with Velcro. If you got Velcro, keep rocking it. But that is our natural tendency to everything. I can't do that. I can't do that. You know why you can't? Because you've never been taught. You've never. There's some innate abilities. If I say, you know what, I need you to be 9 foot 11. I can't do that, Pastor. I know you can't. What do I say? I say, you know what? God's called you to be a worshiper. You can do that. God's called you to let what he put in you shine. You can do that. God called and says, you know what? I want you to belong to my community. And it's going to be a crazy community. We have young and old. We're going to have, we have white folks, black folks, Hispanic folks. Uh, it just, it's going to be the United Nations in here. Is that all right? I need you to love everybody. Well, Pastor, I don't know because there, there's some things in my past. That's fine. We'll work that out because we're community. That's belonging. That's belonging. So why do we say get on Wednesday connect call? Because we're actually going for how many people we can know. We're trying to get you to connect because it's hard to belong in isolation. And if you listen to Connect Call more than 35 seconds, you know that none of us believe everything the other one believes. Rick and I go at all the time. Well, Dr. Burge, that's not the definition. Just because you're a doctor and all. And I'll say something. Uh, we don't have to agree on everything except that we worship the same God. He's all called us out of darkness into this marvelous light and, and that we all are moving in the same direction on this journey. That's what is, so I don't want you to believe this year. Well, I believe this. I believe that. Jesus said, you can judge a fruit by a tree by its fruit. You can judge a person by their actions. If you got to tell me you believe and you're a Christian, you've already failed. Mm. That was rough. I'm sorry. Not sorry. They should know. Some of the most Christian people I've met are people that never once said what church they go to, if they're a believer. But the way they treated me, it was undoubtedly that they were. What do you say this year? We don't just believe. I didn't say stop believing. We don't just believe. We move past that to belonging. It's important to know what you believe. But it's more important for you to belong. I didn't invent this whole church thing. This was Jesus' idea. He's got a sense of humor. He said, I want y'all to come together and love one another. You know how hard it is to love? You get one or two people in the room, there's going to be disagreement. He said, no, I want you to belong. I want you to show everybody that you're mine by loving one another. We got lots of people who can quote the Bible and can't live it for five minutes. I think it'd be great if we can quote it and actually live it. So I'm not saying leaving belief. I'm saying moving past, going from believing, congratulations, you believe, to belonging. So what do you say? Can we take a few minutes? And could we re rethink the way that we have our walk with God? It's not just... Oh, we go to church on Sunday. That's what we always do. 
pastor is going to yell and spit all over the floor because that's what he always does. He's going to have a few slides and some points. No. What if we say, you know what? I'm going to see my family. I want to go worship with my family. I want to go gather with my family in the presence of our God. I'm going to teach our kids how to experience God. And I'm not just going to say I'm a tree. I'm going to show my fruit. I'm not just going to say I'm a Christian. I'm going to start acting like one. What do you say, church? Could we just shift? Could we start becoming who we're actually called to be? Could we move from believing to becoming? Would you take a few minutes? Would you join me in prayer? Let's just talk to God for a few minutes. As Todd sings.